Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Brad Thomas. We've got a soccer-themed show today. We're going to dive into the Premier League post the transfer deadline. Uh, we're going to welcome in Andy Edwards of Pro Soccer Talk, talk about transfer deadline winners and losers. Then we'll look forward to the weekend's action uh, and then some other futures stuff as well. But Brad, firstly, what were your big takeaways uh, from the transfer deadline? I think the most important and the biggest one is the one I texted you about Chelsea spending so much money. It's been absolutely wild to see like the tweets, the memes about how the Premier League could just like get away with spending so much money. Imagine if Chelsea spends this much money, sign this many players, and they still don't play in Europe next season. I think it'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think uh, we'll get into that with Andy. Uh, Chelsea just going crazy uh, (laughs) without much of a plan, I think. But to me, one of the big takeaways, which I don't think has been covered as much, is that Liverpool and Man City did nothing. Uh, And for different reasons, uh, I think that's going to have a lot of repercussions. I think City, who are neck and neck, slight dog to Arsenal uh, for the title in the Premier League. And then they're the favourites for the Champions League as well. Liverpool, who, I mean, their Premier League charge is is done, uh, but they're still in the mix for the top four. And they've got a big Champions League tie coming up against Real Madrid. And uh, they have a lot of deficiencies at the moment, particularly in midfield. And they didn't do anything, uh, whether that's for financial reasons or they're waiting for the summer. Uh, so th- I think that was notable. I think Man City just randomly losing Jao Cancelo uh, <laughs> is kind of a big deal, who apparently uh, Jao was getting a little feisty behind the scenes and uh, wasn't wasn't stoked with uh, his playing time. And now he's just off to Bayern Munich. So I think that's good news for for Arsenal, certainly, and, uh, and also for other top four contenders who might be able to catch Liverpool. But uh, let's welcome in Andy Edwards now from Pro Soccer Talk. Andy, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, transfer deadline. Who do, uh, who do you think were the big winners and losers? Uh, well, the one that I think was the biggest winner, neither of you mentioned there, uh, Arsenal. It felt like they just did. They did solid, responsible business that they needed to do to kind of shore up a couple of maybe potential weaknesses down the road in the squad. Thomas Partey, 
fantastic as a defensive midfielder. Gets injured a fair little bit, though. And so to bring in a player like Jorginho with the Premier League experience, Premier League champion, uh, Champions League winner, European Championship winner, uh, 31 years old, just on an 18-month contract, maybe he's only there six months. But for $15 million, you can almost, I'll say almost, lock up a Premier League title, I, I think, in terms of how the squad is built. And then bringing in Leandro Trossard as well, uh, just a versatile piece up there in the attacking part of the field for anybody that gets injured, can play on the right, can play on the left, can play through the middle, could even probably play a little bit deeper in central midfield the way that Arsenal play with so much possession, so much of the ball. So I felt like they did a really, really good job. And, and Jay, you were right about Man City. It's weird uh, just letting – Jao Cancelo leave uh, right before the transfer deadline without bringing anybody new in. I know Rico Lewis has kind of made that that spot over there on the left side of the field his, but uh, that's an 18-year-old that you're going to entrust in the second half of a Premier League title chase and hope uh, that he doesn't have any slip-ups, that he doesn't have any issues going forward. So uh, the title race was very interesting there at the transfer deadline for me. Yeah, I think Arsenal, they definitely firm for the title after doing that business. If they, if Partey or Xhaka went down, then they were looking very, very thin, particularly with uh, El Nenny being hurt. Uh, they didn't have really any cover. So to get Jorginho in, who, uh, yeah, probably not the biggest fan favourite uh, for Arsenal yeah. fans, given that he plays uh, in London uh, or has yeah. played in London for a rival, but I think certainly he's going to be an important addition. Now, his old team, Andy Chelsea, uh, who was a big story for for uh, every reason. Uh, they signed every player on the planet. They still don't have a striker. Uh, they still don't have anyone to actually score goals, and they still don't. I don't think they have the most solid defence either uh, with Reese James and his injury issues. What did you make of, uh, of their deadline? I feel like I'm on an island when it comes to Chelsea because everybody sees the money and says, oh, that's great. They've got the next squad and everything. But real life is not video games, and you can't just spend all the money in the world, bring in all the talent, and then expect it to come together, expect it to work, especially uh, in a six-month time period between now and the end of the season. So I, I think it's, I don't know, irresponsible is probably not the right word because of all the injury issues they've had this season. So short on players, they probably needed to make a few signings just to fill out the squad to get to the end of the season. And then I think you start to take a little bit longer-term approach and say, well, there's a lot of veteran players on the squad, probably not going to be here, certainly in two years, maybe not next season. And so we'll look to move on a little bit early. But when you spend that much money, especially in the middle of the season, uh, in the January transfer window, it almost never works out. And especially when you've got a new manager in Graham Potter who is struggling already uh, in that job. And some people have been saying, is he going to make it to the end of the season? So it, there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, going on at Chelsea. And I just worry. Well, as a Tottenham fan, I don't worry for Chelsea <laughs> and, and what's to come for them. Uh, but but I do question how that's all going to come together in such a short time, because uh, you can sign all the best and highest potential young players in the world. And that's kind of what they've done. And so you can say that's a smart approach, but you still need almost all of those players to reach that potential for each individual transfer to have been worth it. And then all of them, uh, you know, combined. So it's just, uh, it, it's a lot of money. And, and I think it's going to probably affect a lot, how a lot of other clubs do business as well, because the way that they have set those contracts out for eight and eight and a half years to break up the transfer fees, uh, it's definitely interesting from Todd Bowley. I'll say that. 
Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying, Andy. I, I thought the same thing about the video game, right? Like I'm a big FIFA player and I was saying to myself, Chelsea's going to be one of those squads that you're going to play with in FIFA coming soon that oh, yeah. you're just going to have so much fun. But on the field, it's not going to translate. What do you think the realistic chances are? They're 10th on the table to get into at least a Europa spot. Let's see the gap. It's only two points. They could absolutely do it and get into six. Obviously, I think the yeah Newcastle and Manchester United being in the League Cup final, I think, makes it so that the sixth place team will uh, automatically go to, to Europa League. So they could absolutely do it. I think they have no chance at, at top four. Uh, I think they're a long, long way off. Um, yeah, it, defensively is the biggest issue. And and I think you said it, Jay. Uh, they cannot keep the ball out of their own net at the moment. And and without a goal score at the other end of the field, they're not going to win a ton of games 3-2 or 4-3. So I just, you know, Graham Potter had a lot of these similar issues when he was at Brighton as well. If you kind of think back a little bit, they were one of the most entertaining teams in the league to watch. Some of the best football anywhere that you could find. They couldn't put the ball on the back of the net at one end of the field because they didn't have a striker. And they were a little bit naive, I think, uh, at the back because of all the pretty possession that was going on in front of them. And so uh, I could almost see this Chelsea team, given the way the squad is kind of built and the way that they've played early on, kind of falling into some of those same struggles. Yeah, right now Chelsea are plus 800 to make the top four. They're a fair way back. I I wouldn't be backing that price. Uh, And I think that their issue is, is... Uh, and I mentioned this before, but they have the same problem that you know Arsenal did under Wenger in the later years where mm. Arsenal had just all this attacking talent, but they all played the same position. They're all central yep. attacking midfielders. They had this guy behind me, Cesc Fabregas. They had yep. Thomas Rosicki, Santi Cazorla, Aaron Ramsey, Jack Wilshere. The list yep. would go on and on. And now Chelsea have... Sterling, Mudrick, Pulisic, uh, Hakim Ziyech, who they tried to get rid of, but apparently <laughs> on the email to send the paperwork. Yeah. So he's still around. Randomly, they've got Jao Felix on the team, yeah. Uh, who, yeah, not too long ago, uh, was setting records in La Liga for his transfer fee. Uh, so I think the team is just kind of a mess. I like Enzo Fernandez. I don't think he's worth becoming the highest paid uh, or biggest transfer fee uh, in English football history, but I do think he is, yeah. he is legitimate and will be a star. But, yeah, they are a bit of a mess at the moment. Uh, let's go to a team that's not as much of a mess, and that's Newcastle, Andy, who uh, I'd yeah. say have probably overachieved based on preseason expectations. Certainly no one expected that they would be above all of Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, but that's where they find themselves mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, they've just they've they've done it on the back of a really solid defense. Uh, do you think that uh, their top four spot is uh, is pretty secure at this point? On paper, uh, I think it's I think it's tempting to say. Well, they've not been there. They've not done it yet. Uh, None of the players in the squad have done it. But I'm looking at some of the numbers here. Their expected goal difference, they are third on merit. 100% deserve to be there. Uh, Nearly triple the next expected goals differential uh, uh, positive rating over Liverpool. 15.1 for Newcastle at at this point of the season. Liverpool just down at 6.4 as the fourth best team in the Premier League. So the gap between the top three, which 
You know, if you had Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle before the season as the top three at the halfway point or at any point this season, uh, you're probably feeling pretty good about uh, about what you saw. So, yeah, I, I think they've got us. They've certainly got a chance. They are a little bit thin, I, I think, especially up top. Uh, they are one injury to Callum Wilson, who is uh, pretty frequently injured uh, away from maybe struggling to score. Alan St. Maximin, uh, one of the most talented and, and entertaining players in the league, but lacks for a little bit of consistency, I, I think. And so I have a few questions about that squad but if Bruno Guimaraes is healthy and in form uh, he elevates them to a completely different level that I don't think anybody expected to see Newcastle this season they are probably what maybe a season or two ahead of schedule if they're competing for top four already this season so it's been an incredible job that Eddie Howe has done Um, he's not done it flashy he's not done it the most pretty way uh, but they are a really really solid team and I think the best compliment you can give them is they are very difficult to beat. They have lost once all season. Only Arsenal can say that in the Premier League as well. Uh, but they just don't beat themselves. There are so many teams in the Premier League this season, it feels like, especially in the bottom half or the bottom two-thirds of the league. You could throw Chelsea in there. You could throw Liverpool in there that say, I don't know, half the games they've lost, they've lost for themselves. They have not been truly beaten on most occasions. So uh, they're just a really, really solid. And I, I think um, they know who they are. Uh, they know that they're not going to go out and score a ton of goals. They know that they need to be solid defensively, and they're fine with that. And it's been a recipe for success so far. You know, I am a proud owner of a Newcastle top four ticket, and I, I surely hope it cashes. I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, regression is going to set for Newcastle. And, and really their, their argument sits on them not producing enough goals. But when I look at their expected goal mark, they're actually underperforming based on their expected goal mark. Their their XG is at 1.84. They're scoring 1.6 goals per contest. I think that, you know, they're probably going to score more goals based on the numbers. How does Anthony Gordon fit in? And do you feel that they might fall out of the top four? Because I'm getting a little worried about my ticket hearing people talk about it. You know, I don't want to go in a little bit overconfident. Yeah. Well, who's going to catch them, though, I I guess would be my question. And I know Spurs are just three points back. United are level on points. But Spurs are so up and down, incredibly up and down. Newcastle's steady. They've drawn a lot of games this season, and that's the thing that's got them kind of uh, teetering on the brink a little bit between top four and and falling out. Uh, But I I don't know that there's regression to that. It, It feels like if there's any regression to come, it might be positive regression for this Newcastle team because they have been a little bit unlucky in some games where one or two touches goes completely different and the game is completely different. So I, I don't I don't necessarily see that for Newcastle. The more that I see them, the more that I watch them, the more I buy into it because they continue to replicate what is just a really, really solid plan and process every single time they take the field. And how many teams can you say that about? Not many. Yeah, I think with Newcastle, they, they're going to give up most likely more than 11 goals in the second half of the season, but they should score more to offset some of that. So I think that they're... They're relatively safe. Uh, Before we talk about the matches this weekend, just some of the bets that I made coming out of the transfer deadline and towards the end of it, uh, I bet on uh, Chelsea to finish in the bottom 10 at 20 to 1. Uh, That just seemed insane to me, just the fact that it could go all south. They're only a couple points clear of 11th at the moment. Uh, I bet on Manchester United to fall out of the top six at 16 to 1, just thinking that uh, they've been, I think they showed against Arsenal that they are, they do have some shaky foundations and there is enough talent in the chasing pack and upside that I don't know out of the top six but at 16 to one uh i, I think that 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 is a reasonable play so those were two of uh, the longer shots that i hit 
All right, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in the Premier League and college basketball. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the Initial wager. Points bet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the Points Bet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. In Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. All right, let's talk about some of the matches today and this weekend. Uh, later today, Chelsea play Fulham. Chelsea with their new look squad. Chelsea are minus 170 on the three-way money line. Fulham plus 450. The draw is three to one. Uh, what are you expecting in this match, Andy? 
Oh, I think Fulham are going to come out very, very confident. Uh, they've been in pretty good form uh, of late and, and a team that not a lot of people are, are paying attention to sitting there in the top half of the table, newly promoted um, and, and facing a Chelsea team that, that has all of the issues that we've already talked about. Uh, I'm just kind of looking at, at the, the team that Chelsea have had to run out there recently because of all the injuries forcing Connor Gallagher into the lineup. He's been up and down this season. Carney Chukwameka, uh, you know, very, very little exposure in, into the first team and still Kai Havertz uh, playing up top. So I just, I have so many questions about this Chelsea team. And then, and then that's before we even get to the back line and figure out who's going to play fullback for this team, because it feels like, I think what four fullbacks, the four starting and backup fullbacks all currently out injured. And so Graham Potter is just trying to piece together any team that he possibly can at the moment. And, and, and Fulham, you know, under Marco Silva, but we've seen good runs from him in the past, uh, particularly if you if you think back to his time at Watford that got him a move to Everton. And, and you know, uh, as Everton managers do, it didn't go so great there these these days. But no, I, I what I think what we need to see from Chelsea is they need to figure out defensively first and foremost before absolutely anything else. How can they keep a clean sheet? Because it's just not been enough of those uh, this season. And then I think everything else will come. If you give the the all that talent that you sign in the midfield, and, and Jay, you mentioned all the, the attacking wide players specifically, you give them a platform to build on defensively, uh, I, I think that they will be a better team in the second half. But I just don't think – it's certainly not enough to challenge for top four, and, and we'll see about Europe. Yeah, I don't. I'm going to be touching Chelsea at minus 170 uh, <laughs> against Fulham until we have a bit more uh, of an idea of what this uh, fake team looks like in reality. Uh, Brad, let's talk about Everton Arsenal uh, now. As an Arsenal fan, I wish that Everton had waited another week to get rid of Frank Lampard. I think the bringing in Sean Dyche just opens up a bit more potential for this to be a nil-nil. Uh, so I think that's probably what he's going to be playing for at home. Uh, Everton are seven to one to win. Uh, the match outright, Arsenal minus 250, the draw is plus 350. Anything you like in this game, Brad? Yeah, I think this was one of those matches that you had to jump on Everton plus one and a half when the line came out. Now it's sitting at plus 1.25, but I still think that's a very good look in this match. Bringing in Sean Dyche was probably the best thing Everton can do for us betters. Why? Because they're going to play defensively sound. They're going to not expose themselves to to very big breaks, the big moments of games that that blow it wide open. If Arsenal score one goal, right, I think it's going to come late. It's going to be one of those where where Sean Dice's club is going to have to build their build. They're not going to get stretched. So I, I think I'd probably lean there. Um, from I just want to talk about Dice for one second here. What he's done in his short time in training has been eye-opening. It's been remarkable. He's putting his players through tests. He is going to do with this – I'd probably say a C minus roster, something that a lot of managers probably couldn't do. I'm excited for Everton's future for this entire uh, relegation battle that they're going to have. But if you're going to be a better and you're going to bet Everton matches moving forward, when those lines come out, you better find under two and a half goals instantly and you can bet it. I guarantee that this will hit at least 80% of the time for the rest of their matches. They're going to play very sound and compact. Uh, I think, Brad, you might be the only person in America or the Northern Hemisphere who's excited for the Sean Dyche era uh, at Everton. Uh, a lot of nil-nils and one-nils. Uh, Andy, what do you think about this match and, uh, and I guess, yeah, Everton going forward? Yeah, w- welcome back, Sean Dyche. And I, I, I think Brad is 100% right there. The, the quality of football in the Premier League is going to take a... a on the whole, a tiny little dip. It's going to come down just a little bit. It's going to be really defensive, nine and ten 
and 11 players back behind the ball defensively playing for set pieces. Uh, the squad actually fits quite well. They've got a couple of really solid ball winners in, in the center midfield. They've got some real size for set pieces with Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top. Yeri Mina um, is one of the best aerial defenders in, in the world. And so I, they will probably be successful under Sean Dyche from now until the end of the season. I then question, is Sean Dyche the one you want building the next Everton team? Because I think he can keep you up this season. I think he can keep you in the Premier League. He can avert the disaster that would be going to the championship with a 52,000-seat stadium coming online in just a couple of years. That would be that would be a catastrophe for Everton. I think Sean Dyche avoids that. But um, if you're talking about next season and and what's going to need uh, be needed to progress this team and get them back into – you know, let's worry about the top half before we, we even think back to the days when Everton were competing for the Champions League in the Premier League. It wasn't so long ago. Uh, it's, it's really amazing how far this club has fallen in such a short amount of time with all the money that they've spent as well. That's the obviously that's the real storyline and the and the highlight or the low light, if you will, for Everton. Yeah, they're minus 164 now to get relegated on points bet. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think they're in trouble. I don't think this squad is very good. I don't think Daesh has that much to work with and they didn't bring anyone in really in uh, in the transfer uh, window. Uh, let's talk about what is on paper, at least the marquee match of the weekend. That's Tottenham Man City. Now, this looked, I think, better in preseason, honestly, than it does right now, uh, just given, uh, Andy, that uh, your Tottenham Hotspur haven't looked super impressive this season, coming off, of course, recent loss to Man City. Uh, any chance that Tottenham can win this as a uh, plus 330 uh, dog? Can they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they historically, uh, under, uh, under Antonio Conte and even going back to Maurizio Pochettino, Play very well against Manchester City. I think managers that that, that set up to uh, take away what the other team wants to do, the way that those two managers do, I think give Manchester City and Pep Guardiola in, in, uh, specifically a lot of trouble. Because if you can force everything out wide, and that's what Spurs have done against this Man City team, then you force them to cross the ball into the box. Now, that used to work because there wasn't Erling Holland in, in the middle. Uh, but now, and I think we saw it in the first time that these two teams met, Spurs got out to a great start. Uh, they made it really, really ugly in, in the middle of the field, won the ball back, and quickly that's the key. Quickly got upfield on the counterattack, and that's something they haven't done at all this season. They've played much too slow, much too defensive with with Pierre-Emil Hoybier and, and Rodrigo Bentancourt in the midfield, two uh, you know, pretty strict defensive midfielders, and they just don't have anything to connect the defense to the forward line. As good as those three are up top with Sun, Kane, and Kulishevsky, uh, they're not getting service at all, and they're having to work on their own up top. So uh, Spurs do have a chance, but uh, you know they can be – I said up and down earlier from game to game, from half to half, two nil at halftime against Manchester city last time. And they give up four in the second. It's just, it's unbelievable how this team can be so good and so bad from one game to the next, from one half to the next. So, uh, could they, yes. Would I say that they're going to No, absolutely. I would not. Yeah. I actually think this is going to be one of the more boring matches, uh, on the schedule for this week and boring's good from a betting perspective. Like anybody who wants to look at the last match they played and say, you're going to expect goals in this match is absolutely out of their mind. It was pretty much a stalemate for the first 40 minutes and then a couple of errors. And then it, it exploded in the second half. I actually am going to be on under three goals here and I'm going to just bite my lip the entire match. If you look at expected goals, Mark, in this match, I mean, the last match is going to tell you that we didn't deserve the, what, six goals that we saw. And you touched on this, Andy. My biggest concern here for this Manchester City side is when they brought in Erling Holland, 
who have they scored against that you know knows how to play defensively sound, knows how to sit behind the ball and play play very well. Not really anybody because they lack that creativity that that false nine brought them. And and I think Antonio Conte is going to have his side sit back and defend. So for me, it's under three goals. And if by any means, if Manchester City score very early in the match, I'm actually going to place a live bet on Tottenham team total corners. I'd probably play it like probably (laughs) up to five. Right now it's sitting at three and a half. I don't expect them to really be chasing the game uh, from an early standpoint. So it's something I don't want to get into pregame. But in match, I think we'll see a pretty good uh, line on that. Yeah, I think uh, Tottenham, I, I don't really understand why they're not better offensively, but they've overachieved their expected goals by seven goals this season so far. So even though they've been, I guess, relatively uninspiring, I think it could be even worse um, based on the expected output. Uh, Andy, let's close off with the Super Bowl. Um, going to the other okay. football, Kansas City, uh, one and a half point dogs. I don't really understand the line there, but uh, do you have a pick for the yeah. Super Bowl? Well, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you, you knew, you knew, right? No, it, it, I think anytime you've got, anytime you've got a quarterback that's been to the Super Bowl before, that's won the Super Bowl before, has also been to a Super Bowl and lost a Super Bowl before, going against a quarterback that has never been in the Super Bowl before. There is just something about that experience at that position that I think uh, you have to, it almost feels like you have to go, you have to lose one to then earn the right to go back and do it again. And so Jalen Hurts, for as good as he's been this season, uh, the Eagles run game, I think would worry a lot of people, but I just watched the Chiefs defensive line just destroy the Bengals. Uh, Their run game sacked Joe Burrow a number of times, uh, especially in the second half when the game was, you know, when it was really, really tight. And so it feels like, and obviously there's a bit of homerism going on here, but it feels like this Chiefs team is the most complete that they've been uh, in the Patrick Mahomes era. And that's really, really scary to think about because he is only getting better as he goes on. And so uh, I think, I think the context on how good Patrick Mahomes is has been lost a little bit because the numbers are so absurd because we've been uh we've almost been uh uh desensationalized to how good he is uh because it's just become expected so uh, i would take the points i would take it straight up uh i think we're having another parade in kansas city here in a couple weeks i really really do there you go. Well, firstly, there's a lot going on with that hat. A lot of uh, patterns yeah. and vibrant colors intersecting. That's <laughs> an A plus there. Uh, and I, uh, two, I completely agree with you. I think um, I think that we're going to look back in a few years and think it was crazy that Patrick Mahomes was an underdog yeah. in the Super Bowl to uh, Jalen Hurts. No respect yeah. for uh, the tier one quarterback by himself, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. All right, Andy, thanks for jumping on. Can you let people know where to follow you and uh, what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, just go over to Pro Soccer Talk, NBCSports.com slash soccer. Obviously, we'll have coverage uh, of all the Premier League action this weekend. Uh, we do the PST uh, video show as well every single week. And so uh, just a lot more just fun, laid back Premier League chat. This is the best time of year. You know, we came out of the World Cup. We got through the transfer window. And now we're going to find out what all of this stuff has been for. We All the transfers, we built all these teams. Somebody's going to go win the title. Somebody's going to get top four. Somebody's going to get relegated. So uh, this is this is the fun business end of the season now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Andy. And go Chiefs. All right. Before we get into more Super Bowl and our best bets for the weekend. Uh, a reminder, we'll have live coverage from the Super Bowl in Arizona uh, on NBC all next week. 
Uh, on Peacock, our daily lineup is the Dan Patrick Show uh, at 9 a.m., Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry and myself, 12 p.m. Eastern, PFT Live, 1 p.m., and then Brother from Another at 3 p.m. It's going to be fun. And if you don't catch it on video, you can always check out the audio version wherever you download and subscribe to your podcasts. You got a Super Bowl pick, Brad? Man, this one is is interesting for me. For many don't know, like I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Jalen Hurts autograph football. My parents just bought brand new Jalen Hurts t-shirts for the Super Bowl. It's like my uncle used to cut his hair. Like, but I'm probably gonna bet the Chiefs. Like, I just can't think. There's no way that I'm not gonna bet Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Like, you're giving me plus money. What Andy said is real. Like first time jitters happen to so many quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. It could be a way for me to hedge my happiness. Sure, whatever. But if, even if you look at the metrics, you want to say, yeah, the Eagles have the number one pass defense in the NFL. They honestly haven't played the caliber of quarterback that that I will that will use that as my argument of why I'm betting the Eagles. So as long as the Chiefs are going to be a dog, I have to bet them. Yeah, you can throw your Jalen Hurts memorabilia right into the bin, Brad. Uh, <laughs> the Chiefs podcast for the next, uh, the next week or so. I'm, uh, I'm with you. I don't. I still don't understand the line. I think there are more health concerns around Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, got hurt six weeks ago oh, yeah. and uh, still isn't right. So uh, I'm with you on the Chiefs. All right, let's go back to the round ball. Uh, what's your best soccer bet this weekend, Brad? Yeah, man, we're going to go for a first half bet because I like getting my money early. Newcastle versus West Ham. I'm taking Newcastle minus 1.25 corners on the Asian handicap. That means they need to win by at least two. But if they only win by one, you only lose half your money. One thing we know about this Newcastle team is they're going to press, 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 especially at St. James Park. And against West Ham, they're totally cool with that. They're, they're down to sit nine behind the ball and just absorb pressure. And generally what that means is you're going to see a lot of deflections, a lot of shots. And what Newcastle like to do is they like to try. doesn't It's not very successful, but try to get up early. That way they can start subbing some guys off, start changing some tactics up. And if you want to talk about it from a, from a numbers perspective, Newcastle is, is a earning four and a half corners per first half and only conceding two and a half. And you have to look at some of the teams that they've played at home. I think this is a very, very good spot for this line. Yeah, I, I don't believe in West Ham at all. I think that <laughs> their match against Everton uh, last time out, they were not they were not impressive at all. They didn't show up for the first 30 minutes uh, of that match. And then they just kind of, they just happened into a Jared Bowen goal and then Everton kind of imploded from there. But uh, yeah, West Ham are uh, not super impressive. So all for fading them. Uh, my best soccer bet at the moment is uh, going a bit more continental. It's Bayern Munich to win the Champions League at plus 650. Uh, and the reason for that is, is that Kylian Mbappe uh, is going to miss the first leg of the PSG Bayern Munich tie uh, in about 12 days. And the uh, price on Bayern Munich hasn't moved at all. feels kind of relevant that the best player in the world is going to miss the first tie in Paris and their price to win the Champions League has not moved. It took a while even for the match price to move. I didn't really understand it. Mbappe got subbed off uh, in PSG's game against Montpellier a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, global market, very slow to react. Uh, the, yeah, the plus 650 is still there. I don't think plus 650 versus PSG's plus 700. That's not big of enough of a gap in the outright. And uh, and you might think that 
you know, the Champions League, there's too much liquidity in the market. It's just unbeatable. Well, if the market's not reacting at all to the best player in the world being injured, then it is beatable. And uh, I still think Bayern Munich, despite uh, a little bit of a poor patch of form in the Bundesliga, uh, I still think they're probably rated as the second best team in the world behind Manchester City. They're going to get healthier. They'll get Sadio Mane back for the second leg against PSG. Uh, and if they get through that, uh, then their odds are going to uh, basically halve, if not more so. So I think that Bayern Munich uh, are the best play on the board. And I would jump in on that. I think fair here is more like plus 550. So not a massive bet, but but certainly a bit of value. Anyone you like in the Champions League market, Brad? Yeah, I'm still sitting on my Napoli uh, 45 to 1 ticket. Now they're down to 14 to 1. But all the points that you make are great, right? Like, and even when you look at the board and you look at all the pricing, I think there's a lot of big name bias uh, at the top of the board. Like, you think about this Liverpool side, they don't deserve to be 9 to 1 to win the Champions League. Liverpool might not even make it out of this round. Then you look at Real Madrid, Real Madrid, who I think are going to make it out of this round. Obviously, I just said that. Real Madrid, they have not been playing inspired football. And it's one of those things that kind of worries me because if you don't play inspired football, you're not going to contend in Europe. And that means domestically. They have a title race in their own league that they're going to have to worry about. Luckily for Napoli, they have a 13-point advantage. And, God, they're just so stacked. I thought I would never say that this Napoli team is deep. Like, I thought that would never happen. But they're deep, and Victor Osiman is playing absolutely berserk. So I like I like your Byron, Byron bet. When they get Noria back, when they get Mane back, they're going to be a much better squad. At six and a half to one, I kind of have to probably put a little bit to protect myself, protect my Napoli ticket. Yeah, Napoli are a force there now, you know. Their odds are shorter than minus a thousand to win Serie A. Victor Osiman is playing like one of the best players in the world. So certainly in a pretty, I think a relatively weak Champions League field relative to most years. The only teams that are really, really frightening, I think, are Man City and Bayern Munich, and then everyone else uh, has a lot of deficiencies. So it would be fun to see uh, Napoli make a bit of a run. All right, we are done. Uh, we'll have more soccer pub recordings on our NBC Sport YouTube channel throughout the Premier League season. So make sure to look out for that. Uh, and also, don't forget to check out mbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. From Jay Croucher and Brad Thomas, have a great week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.